Hi, everybody. It's Max Prados, and you are listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast, second to none, bringing you the LAFC gospel. Welcome to episode 160 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. As always, my name is Jonathan Reimer, joined this evening by none other than Christopher Sines. Good evening, sir. What's going on, Jonathan? What's going on, Black and Gold family? Uh, Happy to be back. As always, uh, disappointing results uh, in this Miami game. And for any of you that are in the LAFC fan base, I'm sure you have heard Plenty of people talk about this, but uh, we got to do it. We got to talk about it again. We got to get our opinions out there. Uh, so uh, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully we give you some content that you haven't heard yet. Yes, unfortunately, LAFC lost to Inter-Miami in what was frankly a one-sided affair from a scoring perspective, although LAFC certainly had their opportunities, my friend, and vexingly, frustratingly, once again, here we are, staring at our digital screens at one another, talking about LAFC's inability to finish their chances. If LAFC could just take a few of these looks and manifest something from it, we would be having a very different conversation about this season. But once again, and I feel like the the trend of in big games, LAFC unfortunately fail to rise to the occasion. Yeah, it, it definitely... It's encouraging to see that LAFC was able to have opportunities, but this team outside of the three players, the three marquee players, it is the, uh, it's the same team and this team is not a very strong team. And so you would anticipate that LAFC should have had opportunities to score, not being able to put them away. The goalie for Miami, uh, you know, he made some really good saves throughout the game. Um, so, you know, you have to give him credit for stopping some of those shots, but, uh, you know, just, it didn't, didn't fall in our way. And as our good friend, Vince LaRosa would always like to talk about the XG, um, you know, he mentioned earlier this week, uh, on happy foot, sad foot that, uh, LAFC's XG was close to two, you know? So it's, 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 that is the multiplier at which they should have scored on chances. And so, uh, that it's concerning. You're not going to be able to win games if you can't let alone score or even put in any and, and uh, get enough to get over the hump. I mean, two goals still wouldn't have been enough. Two goals wasn't going to win it on the day. I think everybody going into this match was saying you got to score four or five goals to beat Miami because they're going to score two, three. Um, and we just were unable to do that. And some of the goals we gave up, were very frustrating goals to see go in. I think that second goal that Miami scored is really the only one they quote unquote earned. The first one was a little fluky. Fluky goals happen. You got to be able to rise above and come back from it. The third one was just, you know, I, I mean, just just one mistake made and, and then they're in on goal. Not much you can do about that. Calendar did have a fantastic game. I mean, their keeper was on his head. You, you got to give him credit for that. He made a couple saves. But for the most part, we didn't test him in the way in which LEFC should have tested a keeper. 
And obviously the big moment that everyone is talking about in this game is the Denny Bawanga failed pass, failed shot. Uh, and Carlos Vela's obvious frustration. We've seen Carlos get angry on a pitch before. We've seen him get angry at himself. We've seen him get angry at refereeing decisions. We've seen him get angry at defensive positioning and mistakes. We rarely ever see Carlos Vela get this angry at another player in the offensive buildup. And that's that's a startling thing to see happen on the field because it, it leads to this greater conversation that perhaps something on, is going on behind the scenes that is causing the chemistry to fall apart. So my question for you is, is there a locker room issue for LAFC? Uh, I mean, I have no idea if there's a, an overall locker room issue, but no, I, I don't I don't think that there's a locker room issue that you can take from what happened i think that denny was confident in his abilities he felt that he had the opportunity to take a shot uh you know maybe he anticipated that that defender would take a step towards carlos opening a lane for him the defender stayed true to his line um you know and i think i think carlos was upset that there was this wide open shot that he would have had an opportunity to score and uh i think that carlos knew the gravity of the situation uh, and he he knows that we needed to get any goals that we could, especially early on in the match like that. So um, I, I think it was just a frustrating experience, missed opportunity. You know, in the press conference after Carlos had talked about how, uh, you know, players in the MLS need to not allow these international players that are coming over to become bigger than them, you know, to not think that they are beneath them in level because uh, that's, that's not the way to think, you know, these players need to understand that, Hey, everyone that's playing in the MLS is playing in the MLS and, and you need to have confidence in your ability and know that it's like, Hey, even though it is a player like Messi, you can't sit here and, and just accept the fact that, Oh, well, he's better than me. So I'm, I'm not going to perform, you know, I don't think Bogus went into the game with that, that attitude. He played his tail off. I mean, Messi didn't score. I, I know he got two assists. Really, only the second one, I think, is anything worthy uh, of considering. You, you know, that third goal, The th we were so committed forward to to trying to get a goal, to try and fight our way back into that game that, you know, look, they, they, they were able to get us uh, on a quick counter back. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't a world class goal. That second that second goal was. I mean, you know, from just an objective perspective, I mean, that's that's the kind of beautiful goal you would expect the likes of Busquets, Alba, and Messi to be able to put together. And you knew they were going to score one like that. And they got the fluky one early. LAFC still had it in their locker. I mean, you know, over 20 shots. To, to walk away from that with with one goal in garbage time off, off a header. I mean, great. Fantastic. Ryan Hollingshead, killer goal. Not Not taking anything away from him. But that goal was a consolation prize. That goal was not one that put us back in the game. The game was already well done and dusted at that point. So I, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. The decision-making from Bawanga to not put the pass out to Vela is frustrating. But I think some of that probably comes from the training pitch. You know, when you look at, ba at Bawanga, it's his job to just go at goal. And and given that he is so linear, so one track minded that he gets the ball and, and it's just him, him and the goal. It's got to be something that this coaching staff has told him, look, you get the ball, just go, just go just blinders on go. 
and, and at some point in time, we, we've got to coach a little bit more dynamism into the team at this point. I feel like everyone's roles are very static and very predictable. And that's leading to a really, really frustrating, A, repeat of poor performances, and B, it's just predictable. I mean, you face LAFC, you know what's going to happen. You know what to do against them. And we haven't seen this team grow around that or beyond it at this point. And I think that's the thing that's getting all of us. It's throughout early stages in the season when this team was doing so well, Dolo kept saying, look, we don't have any time to practice. All we're doing is going out and playing games that there's not enough time to do anything on the training pitch. Well, now we've gotten to this time of the season where we're not playing a game every three, four days, where there should be time for them to start working out some ideas. And we've somewhat regressed. This has been one of our poorest stretches of form throughout the course of the last two years has been now that the schedule seems to have eased up. So that to me starts to raise some red flags about what is happening on the training pitch. If we come out and we continue to see lackadaisical shots on goal, inability to pick and find a corner. And I know that's a difficult thing, but these are professional strikers. I expect them to be able to hit the corner more often than not. And it's just, it's disappointing when a goal either goes square to the keeper or square into the stands. And it's a tough time right now to be an LAFC fan. So we got to preach, keep the faith there. This team is still perfectly capable of winning an MLS cup this year, but we've really got to start seeing some cohesion, especially amongst the new guys up top. And I know it might be lumping a lot on the guy early, but Mario Gonzalez has really not won the fan base over with what they've seen from him up top. Chris, do you think it's, it's too early to say that it's a wasted year for him? A wasted year? I don't know. I mean, I think that anybody that comes and transfers midsummer, you know, when when you look at Denny Bawanga and he came in last year, his results were limited until the the final match in Portland when we secured the supporter shield. Um and then in the postseason he he had definitely helped and contributed. You need to give each player its own opportunity to adjust. Uh so I don't I don't know a single player that has ever come in and just been electric the moment that they've joined the club. It seems like every marquee player that we've ever advertised has had needed some time to adjust and acclimate themselves to um, the staff, the facilities, the the chemistry amongst its teammates. Um, what about Chicho Arango? Yeah. That I would say is an outlier. So then you, when you look at, you look at that, there's one and we've been a club for six years. How many strikers have we gone through? Right. So you have one player that came in and was able to uh, make his presence known immediately. Um, But outside of Chicho Arango, I I, I guess this is almost like the expectation. Like a player comes in, you're like, all right, I'm, I'm not going to expect a ton from him. If I get anything from him, it's going to be great, you know, and then hopefully once he gets comfortable by next season, then, you know, then we'll really be able to dictate whether or not he was a waste of a uh, waste of uh, a DP spot or uh, uh, anything like that. I, I would say Diego Rossi as well, too. He scored the first goal in the first game ever. So, I, I mean, there's something to be said there, but um, 
you're right. It, it is a lot to expect a player transferring in the middle of a season to come in and, and light things up, but he's had his opportunities. We've seen some, you know, decision-making where, you know, pass or dummy when you should have shot shot when you should have passed or dummy. I mean, obviously there's some stuff that we expect them to work out and I hope that we have time to work it out. So this season is not a complete loss, but right now, I mean, crashing out of the U.S. Open Cup versus Galaxy, losing in a CCL final, not having a true number nine for half a season, still not having a third DP on our roster. When you go up against a team that all three of their DPs combined to score a world-class goal to give them that second goal in the game, and here we have an LAFC roster that despite all its spend and all its commitments to spend, and, and we've yet to really ever have a, a run of a few games with three DPs out there doing it at a high level. And so I, I completely empathize with all the fans that are frustrated with the front office that are frustrated with the players right now, because it's not working and it didn't work on a really big stage versus a really big opponent. And I get it. Like it's just a regular season game. And and in some respects, you have to say it was just a regular season game, but you don't get freaking royalty to show up to regular season games. Right. I, I mean, not only the cavalcade of celebrities, the eyes, the attention, the opportunity for the brand of the black and gold to make a statement in this game that Messi is not bigger than this league, that we are the champs and you come to our house and you're going to be taught some respect. And and we showed nothing that commanded respect in this game. And I hate to say it, but I feel like even though it's a regular season performance, it's the type of performance that sets the team and the league back. And I was really hoping for more from our boys. You know what? The fandom, the messy mania that was at the stadium this past Sunday was, I mean, unlike anything else we'd ever seen. Uh, you know, even the MLS Cup was, there was a lot of media and there was a lot of people there excited. But for the most part, like if you go back and think about what it was like at the MLS Cup, it was predominantly LAFC fans. And we're we're there amongst our friends and family. Um, and this was different. This was one of the first times that I felt like the the stadium was almost invaded uh, by by fans of another team, and uh, fans that have only been fans of that team for a few weeks too, which is also I didn't, crazy. I didn't know there was so many people from Miami and Los Angeles. That was, <laughs> I was, I was shocked. You know, um, it it was just it was unreal to see that many people wearing Messi jerseys, and uh, you know. I think there's the possibility that the moment got to all the players. You know, this is a player, Lionel Messi's a player that every single soccer player who's ever played knows who he is. And there are some of these players that had grown up watching him while they were teenagers or in their youth. You know, so to to get an opportunity to play against someone who I mean, you always saw was you know, light years away from anything you potentially thought you could ever be, you know, it's, I, I mean, I, I, I could never imagine what it was, what it would be like to be an LAFC player 
and to be playing against someone who was a hero or an idol or a, a you know just a, a the best player in the last three decades you know and it's it's I have I could never imagine what it would be like to be alongside somebody that I thought that highly of you know so I can we criticize these players like that I don't know I mean you're a music you're a musician Jonathan like imagine if you know you're at a concert and you're playing and you're like some opening act at a festival and Tool comes on and the guy from and the lead singer from Tool comes over it I mean how would you react would you be able to perform and even with all the practice I don't know you know what I'm saying like that's you make valid points there right I, you one would hope that a player would accept the challenge of the stage in the limelight and respond accordingly. Well, I don't think that anybody deflected from it. I don't think anybody shied away. I think that every player was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to play, but was the focus there? I don't know. Nobody will know, you know, but you can, the, the performance leads people to think what happened. What was the reason for this, uh, less than standard performance and the biggest blaring difference was messy and busquets and alba and no having, i mean I, I think I, also it's a little intimidating to look up into a crowd and see prince harry and and the who's who of everybody in hollywood that's out there as well too i, I mean it becomes such a spectacle that has to be a distraction for players when you're looking on the sidelines and there's a full NBA team's worth of players out there, you've got, you know, Selena Gomez smiling down at you. I shouts to her. She's a customer of mine and a sweet lady. Um, you know, that's that's got to get in your head a little bit. Right. And, and just like, you know, somebody who plays music going up on stage and you look out across the crowd and you see that same caliber of stars there. I, I mean, not only are you performing in front of Messi but you're performing in front of all of these Hollywood elite and literally royalty. I mean, that's, it, it was a scene that I really hoped our performance met the level of. And frankly, I don't think LAFC played terribly in this game. It's not like it was shambolic performances up and down the pitch. And, and we got laughed off the pitch. I mean, we had our fair share of opportunities, we had control over the game at, at moments and parts. We certainly had our opportunities. But once again, we played the role of the Bond villain henchman, uh, and, and we could have fired off a thousand rounds, but nothing was on target. And it just, it's disappointing, given the gravity of the moment, that we couldn't come down to earth and play a little bit better. And uh, it's not going to get any easier. Um, we are now slipping in the standings across the Western Conference and the opportunity to now claim a Western Conference title and be able to get that CONCACAF Champions Cup spot as a result of it. LAFC are now slipped all the way down to third place. Uh, I believe we have a couple games in hand versus Seattle that's only one point in front of us. And we have a game in hand versus St. Louis that is now seven points in front of us. So, I, I mean, a win there, you're within four points and tied on games with St. Louis. I believe on our last show, I said, if we can finish this month within four points of first, we have a weak enough schedule throughout our last four games next month 
or five games, whatever it is, that that we should be able to make a run for it. So it is not out of the realm of possibility. But not at least grabbing one point versus Miami at home was certainly frustrating. And now we have a big test as we go on the road to Portland. And I know they have not been a great team this year. Uh, I think they're currently sitting in 12th place with just 30 points this year. But Portland is a team that always plays us well. And having just gone through a coaching change, we know how that tends to bring teams together. And so we've got a really tough stretch that we are going to have to man up and get some results from throughout the course of this month. And we still have uh, the Campeones Cup coming up as well, too, and a chance to take home some silverware, which, as you alluded to on the last show, is going to be very important this year for us to at least be able to hang one banner. We wanted it to be that CONCACAF Champions League banner. Unfortunately, we fell flat versus Leon with an exhausted team versus a well-rested team. And I, from now until the end of time, will still critique our usage of players going into that match. We absolutely gave up in the U.S. Open Cup at home versus Carson, something that is still inexcusable, in my opinion. So it's going to be tough, right? Uh, So we're away at Portland this weekend. We're home. Versus the Galaxy, a massive match. Galaxy have been playing pretty well lately, and they always put their best performances out versus us. Then we're away in what is unquestionably, uh, you know, the the next two games after that are massive as well, too. Away at St. Louis, away at Philadelphia. I mean, all three of our opponents after Portland are teams that desperately want to beat us. Galaxy, this is this is their whole season in one game. If they could come into the bank and get a victory, that would mean an entire season's worth of positive energy for them. City, they're looking to claim the West. They're looking to establish themselves as, as the new boys in the West. And this is certainly a huge statement game for them at home. And Philadelphia, yeah, they might have a reason or two to want to get up for a game against us uh, all, all leading into that big game on September 27th versus Tigres, where we have a chance to hoist that cup. It's a rough stretch and we needed a good performance versus Miami to cleanse that palate and get us all feeling positive about the direction the team is going at the end of this month. Now, thankfully next month we have the likes of RSL, Minnesota, Austin, Vancouver, that absolutely should be four wins, 12 points. So, you know, there's there's at least a little bit of light at the end of the month. But my friend, what are your prospects on these next upcoming games? I think that it's definitely going to be indicative of the type of uh, postseason we're going to have. You know, if we're expected to be able to beat teams like the likes of St. Louis, Seattle. We need to be able to beat teams like Portland and the Galaxy. Um, I think that if this team continues to go in the negative direction that momentum and uh just overall mental toughness is is going to be compromised and that's not to say they can't get out of it and that's not to say that should we lose and you know uh we end up getting a lower seeded playoff spot and we have to be road warriors that LAFC are not in a position to be able to overcome those those hurdles it just makes it more challenging and LAFC on the season have eight wins at home and only three wins on the road. I mean, so I, I am a little concerned about our performance on the road. Uh, and let's be honest, technically right now we're tied with points with RSL. 
as much as we view them as a team we should handily beat, they're they're only in fourth place based on tiebreakers. Vancouver's a playoff team. They're sitting in six. Minnesota's a playoff team. They're sitting in seventh. And Austin is only one point below the playoff line, desperately playing for their hopes. So as much as I feel that those games in October are games we should win handily, they're going to be against teams that are fighting for playoff hopes and fighting for seeding and standing. And this new Arango era of RSL is certainly a different team than they were, you know, the last few times we've we've handled them. So it's it's a rough look right now. And a lot of people are, are viewing the possibility of LAFC winning the West as a done deal at this point. I don't think that's the case. I still think this team has the opportunity to win the West. But if we continue to see these up and down performances week in and week out, that's not the kind of consistency that's going to claim us those points. I will say this, you know, in order for us to claim the West, St. Louis has to stumble a little bit. And when you look at St. Louis's schedule, Galaxy, Houston, they come to LA midweek, right before we have the Campeones Cup. Minnesota, Sporting, Vancouver, and Seattle. They have, they definitely have challenging matches at the end after they play us minnesota's in a playoff spot fighting for a playoff fighting to maintain their playoff spot uh how how many of those games are home games for st louis sorry uh i'm los angeles is a home game so we traveled to st louis i misspoke so we traveled to st louis uh and sporting kansas city and seattle so three out of the next seven so four games on the road. They're a worse team on the road. They got seven losses on the road. They've only got three losses at home this year. So we're one of those teams they have to face at home. Sporting Kansas City is one of those teams they have to face at home. They're going to steamroll Sporting Kansas City. And then decision day is Seattle. Seattle. Seattle's a good team right now. They're currently sitting in second place. Uh, I, I mean, I think by the time we catch up in games, uh, they'll be a little bit further down the table than that. Uh, you know, they could drop uh, arguably as low as fifth place or so. Um, but still, Seattle's a good team and a good team anywhere they play. Uh, they've been pretty much the same team at home and on the road this year. So, you know, that's that, there's hope. It's not like they're playing nothing but the bottom of the table from here on out. And they have to play more road games than we do. Right. So So there's hope. Let's not lose hope that the West is completely lost. Win in the West definitely guarantees you home field advantage all the way through the conference final. And then, you know, I mean, look, if we make it to an MLS Cup and have to go on the road, I think we'd all take that just to make it to an MLS Cup. Um, even if that meant that we had to take on the likes of, you know, a Cincinnati or whoever else might be at the top there. Uh, I mean, fortunately, if Miami makes it to the playoffs uh, and they end up finding a way through the playoffs to, to an MLS Cup, their record is probably not going to be better than LAFC. So we could see the return of Messi to BMO once again. I think we'd all, we'd all take that for a final. Can you imagine what those ticket prices would be if it were to be an MLS cup? Holy cow. Talk about I mean, people, you, talk about people making money for this regular season game. I, I mean, I, I, it would blow the record out of the water for ticket prices for a domestic soccer game. Uh, I mean, it, it, that record I think was set in this last game i some people were saying the price of one ticket on average price of one ticket to go see lafc miami was more expensive than rams season tickets 
it's pretty I think crazy. It was any, I think it was any game that the Rams oh. had. It no. was there wasn't a single Rams game that was going to cost more. Still uh, wild. Still it wild. Is. It is because I mean, you know, football has always been king in this country. Maybe not this city. Maybe not this, this city. Maybe not going forward. You know, maybe this is the high water mark, right? And obviously, look, Miami have splashed the cash. I mean, you know, their 80-something million dollar payroll that they have now, I mean, is so above and beyond anyone else in the league. It's staggering. But that's the kind of investment that Beckham and their ownership group have put together. So, you know, I mean, LAFC has the money. We still won't have three, three DPs. You know, and let's be honest, too, right? Right now, the East has a lot of very strong teams, right? Cincinnati is far and away. They're 10 points in the clear of the next. But New England, Orlando, Philadelphia, and Columbus are all within two points of each other. And that's at 40. That's a 45 to 47. Some of them have played just as many games as we have with 26. You know, so we're trying to catch up to St. Louis, who's got 47. But meanwhile, in the East, there's at least three teams that are going to have more points than us. So should LAFC get that first place spot in the West, it would have like in order for us to host the MLS cup, we would have to have the top three to four seeds get knocked out in the East. More than that. If LAFC were in the East right now, we would be in seventh place with our 41 points. I mean, you'd you'd be looking up at Atlanta, Columbus, Philadelphia, Orlando, New England, Cincinnati, all have better point totals than LAFC do right now. Now, some of that might be for the fact that Miami was an atrocious team throughout the first half of the season. I mean, they were god-awful. Toronto is a complete mess and, and are giving up points left and right. And certainly the two New York teams haven't been great and, and Chicago hasn't been great for a while now. So, I mean, some of that might just be the polarization that you see in the East that as good as the best teams are, the worst teams are, are really bad. And there's a little bit more spread out across the West with the exception of, of Colorado who are, who are miserable. Um, but everyone else in the West, I mean, you know, the Portland's, the Kansas cities, the Austin's, I mean, any one of those teams can win on any given day, right? So I, I do think there's a little bit more parity out West than we typically tend to see out East. But as a result, that's going to make hosting an MLS Cup all the much harder. So my friend, I guess I guess that has us looking ahead to Portland coming up this weekend. It's away. It's going to be on turf. It's going to be in a very difficult environment. Are you sending Killini up there? Or once again, we're going to be looking at a Mario... Maldonado long some combination of those yeah I would definitely say it's going to be uh that Giorgio Chiellini is not going to play uh just a mix of how many minutes he got in the last game plus the the conditions of the pitch uh I would say that this is going to be a Maldonado Moody long rotation I think that's absolutely correct. Do you start with the same front three? Gonzalez, Vela, Buanga? Uh, I'm cool. I think you have to. You got to give him time I, I to get that chemistry, right? Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, you need to. But at the same time, it's, you know, man, Gonzalez, it's how much longer do you give him before you say, hey, okay, 
I need to cut my losses and, and, uh, you know, hopefully this off season, you can build your chemistry and we're just going to continue to go with a player who has found their rhythm with the club may not be as proficient of a striker, but it at least has the chemistry to get, you know, the ball flowing. Uh, Kike Oliveira, Stipe no. Buke. No, I'm not. It's I'm gotta, not. it's gotta be Gonzalez then. Unless no, you're only I, playing two up top and you're going to switch to a four four two, I don't see that happening either. No, I, I mean, oh no, I would, I would put in Stipe Buke before I put in Kike Oliveira. I don't know. I just, I, I feel like, you know, he, even more than Gonzalez. I would rather have Gonzalez than Kike Oliveira at this point in time. I, I want to give Mario an opportunity to find that chemistry and benching him is not going to be a solution. That's, that's basically washing your hands of the situation. And, you know, we have to look towards to the postseason, and, and of course on to next season as well, too. And we can't undermine the guy's confidence by benching him. I think he's, he's got to be given the opportunity to work it out. It's just difficult that it's coming as we're facing a pretty rough stretch of games ahead of us uh, and expecting these guys to work it out, but uh, they do have some opportunity to be on the pitch and get things done. I am going to get the opportunity to sit in a broadcast booth with Aaron Long this coming Sunday, which I am super excited about. Uh, A chance to meet Aaron Long and sit down with him, former defender of the year and someone who has, uh, you know, had some hot and cold performances for LAFC. He's faced a lot of critique from the fan community for some of his mistakes, as center backs often do. Right. There's there's probably not a goal ever scored in which someone doesn't point a finger at a center back and, and say, you know, but but Aaron Long has also had some pretty big defensive moments for us and has stepped up and filled in a lot of minutes that were pretty capable for us. So I'm excited to see Aaron Long this Sunday. Uh, this Sunday is, of course, USA versus Mexico, the indoor battle here in Toyota Arena in Ontario uh, with Philly and I from Defenders of the Bank on the call. Plenty of tickets still available. So check that out if you guys want to come check out and see some USA versus Mexico on Sunday. It's going to be a double header. One ticket will get you into both games. You get USA versus Mexico women's at 1 p.m., which has a stacked roster of some, you know, Olympic medal winning talent that's going to be on it. Uh, and then you basically have the all-star teams for USA and Mexico of the major arena soccer league and the indoor players that are going to be squaring off at 5 p.m. Uh, there's going to be some famous Mexican talent there and certainly some famous United States talent as well, too. Of course, Mr. Aaron Long will be in the building as well, too. So a chance to come out and cheer on some black and gold faithful. Pretty cool opportunity for those of you who will be there. Uh, might not get a chance to come down and say hello to you, but say what up to me. There's also going to be an American Cornhole Association tournament that's going to take place between the two games with the finals taking place at halftime of the men's final. So that's going to be a pretty fun game. I, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot in the indoor world. Of course, last week we had the Kings Cup as well, too. Uh, where I was on the broadcast for 16 straight hours, uh, which was a Herculean performance uh, of calling games, but a ton of fun. So having a lot of fun as indoor season's getting ramped up. And if y'all want to come out and say what up to Aaron Long and catch some good footy, tickets are incredibly reasonably priced. Uh, The tequila company I work for, Tequila Valor, is also going to be pouring their tequila. Uh, So if you get a chance to show up, maybe I can sneak you into the VIP room, get you a couple shots of tequila as well, too. It's going to be a fun day. But uh, Aaron Long in the building, going to be pretty cool. So, Chris, I got to ask you, if I ask Aaron Long one LAFC or MLS-related question, what should it be on the broadcast? 
And while you're thinking, oh. I'll throw this out there to the fans as well, too. By all means, slide into those DMs at Boozology at LAFC S2S. Let me know. What do you think I should ask Aaron Long as I'm putting the microphone to him next week? I think that, you know, you you have to give him something that obviously is not uh, uncomfortable for him to answer, right? It's going to be something, you know, that that he's going to enjoy. You could ask him his favorite U.S. men's national team moment, uh, you know. Nah, that's World not Cup. fair. The rest of the conversation is going to be about USMNT. Uh, this question has got to be that one MLS LAFC question I get to sneak in. All right. Uh, who... Uh, Who's a striker currently in the MLS that you hate uh, defending? That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I'm not going to ask him about Messi. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to. I might ask him about you know being in a partnership with Giorgio Chiellini. Might ask him about playing on the same team as Carlos Vela. Might. We're definitely going to talk about some of his USMNT performances and experience as well too. So that's that's going to be fun. But. Uh, yeah, by all means, let me know, folks. Uh, tell me, what question would you like me to ask Aaron Long? Remember, let's keep it professional. Um, I, I know there's a lot of frustration around the community right now, but let's let's vent that frustration appropriately. Um, Aaron Long's a guy who's, you know, repped the badge with pride throughout the course of this season. He's a center back. Center backs are going to make mistakes. They're going to give up goals. He's also saved a lot of goals. One of the main reasons this team is within spitting distance of first place and has aspirations on that cup on the end, not only rest squarely on the man's shoulders, but uh, we're going to need him to step up and have big games for us coming down the stretch here as well, too. So uh, uh, let's always remember, as long as they wear our colors and they wear our crest, they have our support unwavering. And it is in that regard that I want to tip my cap to the 3252 who put in such an amazing performance versus Miami with all the reselling going on and all the crazy stuff around the team. The fact that that section was blacked out and it was loud and cranking throughout the course of the whole game really set a bar that 3252 has met at every single time they've had that opportunity. I'm so proud of, of all my familia out there in the North End as how they were able to hold up that high standard throughout the course of some very difficult optics. I think for anyone who is in that stadium witnessing it uh, from royalty on down to regulars, uh, they definitely got the proper kind of atmosphere and performance from the 3252. So I wanted to take a moment to highlight and thank them. My friend, we are about out of time for today's show. So do we have any final thoughts on this Miami fiasco or our preparations as we look ahead to Portland? Uh, no, just, you know, anyone traveling up to uh, the Pacific Northwest for the match against Portland, uh, you know, be safe, enjoy your time uh cheer cheer proudly cheer loudly represent the club well uh my uh my my brother-in-law and my nephew uh are flying up and they're going to go to see the match it's their first away days and so uh wish them both safe travels and my nephew to have a lot of fun he he definitely caught the bug his uncle chris introduced him to lafc and he caught the bug so you're doing the lord's work sir Fantastic. Uh, continue to preach the gospel, folks. Look, it's onward and upward from here. we got to dust ourselves off from this one. And this is a team that has certainly not had its last laps. Uh, so we are going to get back out there and we're going to make sure that uh, we are doing our best to support our boys. 
and that this team knows that they have us behind them as they look to hoist back-to-back MLS Cups. Folks, as always, please give us a like and a subscribe at LAFC S2S on all them social media platforms. If you're so gracious enough as to give us a rating and review, we sincerely appreciate that as well, too. Helps offset some of those cars and trolls that love to dive into those reviews and comment sections. On behalf of John, Jonathan, I'm oh, sorry, I'm John and Jonathan. On behalf of myself, Chris, Christian and sound engineer Wilton, we'd like to thank you all for listening to today's episode. Take us home, sticks. To shoulder, together this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay flying that FC door some. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's Koreatown Liddy. Cape us so mommy, about to drop her fifth. They want me to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.